Good evening and welcome to Hello. the Castro Files. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. How doing, about you? I'm doing awesome. I almost said wonderful. Wonderful. I'm wonderful. Yeah. Very uh, Germanish. Yeah. There. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning into the Castro Files. Again, we appreciate it. Yes. Go out, check us out, out on iTunes, Spotify, if you want to listen to the audio. And then we post everything out to the Castro Files out on Instagram. That's yeah. where you can find us for all the images from the show. Right. And then like, hit that like and subscribe if you don't mind. And then share the show, of course, right? Right. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. I'm just saying. Kind of cheesy, but. It's true. It means a lot to yeah. us. It really does. You've got a creepy got a one story. tonight. I do. So I'm excited to hear about it. Let's Thanks. go. It is called, the name of the story is Demons in the House. Okay. And it comes from a book called Horror Stories, Terrifying Real Stories of True Horror and Chilling Murders. Nice. Uh, and it's by Hannah J. Tidy. All right. Um, so, Let's go, Hannah yeah. J. Tidy. Let's hear about it. So real quick, you wonder what we do on with the notepad and stuff. We write notes so we don't interrupt and right. I can go back and ask all the questions. Yeah, I think sometimes we need to get better about like talking after the story, but sometimes it's just too good to like not open it up right then and yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So. All right, jump in. Let's all hear right. it. So again, this is called Demons in the House. Okay. Imagine that you finally found your dream home. It's a big house, a sprawling property, the right size to entertain visitors and uh, vis the right <laughs> size to entertain visitors in gracefully, the perfect distance from work and school, and most importantly, the right price. Ben and Jamie Shea found such a house. Hey, dreams come true, right? Absolutely. But sometimes we also forget that dreams can turn into nightmares too. What do they say about something that looks too good to be true? Let's find out. I was just going to say too good to be true. Yep. In October 2003, Jamie and Ben Shea were looking for their dream home. They finally happened upon a house in Markham, Arkansas. The house was old but beautiful. It also had enough space in the house for their family of five which was Jamie, Ben, and their three children, Tori, Bridger, and Jackson. There were beautiful trees around the house and plenty of room for the children to play. It was a short commute for Jamie, who worked as a legal assistant in a neighboring town, and Ben, who worked as a nurse at a factory located nearby while earning his degree. While the Shays were viewing the house, they came across a bedroom on the second floor littered with candles, pentagrams, and other occult symbols. Kind of have a, We have a picture of that. Uh, for for uh, illustration. Reference. Yep. Uh, while the couple was initially disturbed by the site, they didn't overthink it. Ben assumed that local teenagers might have gotten into the house and just messed around. So without further ado, the couple made an op offer on the house and it was accepted. The Shea family <laughs> soon moved in and settled down to routine. Ben worked the night shift at the factory and came home to sleep until 2 in the afternoon. He would then leave for his classes. Jamie hired an ex experienced babysitter to take care of Jackson, who was one year old at the time. Everything seemed to be moving along fine. One day, after Jamie left for work and the two older children were at school, Ben was fast asleep in their bed. The sitter, was, who was supposed to be taking care of little Jackson, suddenly Ben woke up with the sound of their son crying. The noise was coming from the baby monitor kept next to Ben's bed. At first, Ben thought nothing of it, calling out to the sitter to take care of the baby. The crying, however, persisted. Ben got up and called out to the sitter, but no one answered. Groggily, he made his way up the stairs to the baby's room, still calling the sitter as he went. Ben got, again, no response. When he went inside the room, he saw what he saw completely surprised him. Jackson wasn't in his crib. There was just the baby monitor. Um. Still, no more, still no more than puzzled, Ben went back downstairs to the living room. 
There, he found a note that the sitter had left saying that she'd taken the baby and gone shopping and would be back soon. There was no one in the house apart from Ben. Baffled, he knew he hadn't imagined the cries, yet there was no sign of where the noise had come from. Freaked out, he couldn't make heads or tails of what had just happened. He decided to say nothing to Jamie about the occurrence. Um, what? What? Yeah, no, there's <laughs> there's nobody there, so. Yeah, no, I understand that. Like, you don't you don't bring that up to your wife, like. Maybe he thought, maybe he thought I thought he was I heard dreaming. the cat meow behind me, and I'm like creeped out, and yeah. he was asleep in the bed. I mean, sometimes you, you think you hear things that aren't really happening when you're asleep. So was he maybe dreaming, you know? know. <clears throat> so Bridger, Ben and Jamie's five-year-old son, had the bedroom where they initially found the candles and the symbols. Before he left for work, Ben made sure that he spent time tucking Bridger in. One night, after Ben had gone to work, Bridger was fast asleep when he woke up in the middle of the night by loud noises. It sounded as though there were people in his room. <clears throat> they were all talking at once. Bridger was terrified. He ran out of the room and went to his parents' bedroom downstairs where Jamie was sleeping. He told her that he had heard people talking in his bedroom. Jamie assumed that he was having a nightmare and just let him sleep with her that night. Okay. The same night, eight-year-old Tori, whose bedroom was down the hall from Bridger's, was awoken around 3 a.m. by the sound of one of her brother's toys turning on. When she went to check out what was making the noise, she found out that the toys were laying all over the floor and Bridger wasn't in his bed. Tori assumed that he was hiding, told him to put his toys away, and went back to sleep. But upon leaving the room, she heard the sound of many people talking at once. Frightened, she retreated to her bedroom. <clears throat> the chaise did... Sorry. It's okay. I know. I should put this in it. She heard a bunch of people talking in her house? Yeah, this is the second time. That's what the son heard the, the, the same night. Why aren't they getting out of this house? I don't understand Baby, they, people that do this, that live in this house. And you if I randomly heard just random, and I know my house is locked up, I'm getting out of my, or I'm burning it down. Okay. One or the other. What are you doing? You just I'm going back to bed? the story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Shays didn't mention the straight happenings that they were witnessing to each other. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. And nothing else happened for a few weeks. Then one night, while the kids were asleep and Jamie was sitting and working on some accounts, she suddenly heard footsteps. Jamie got up to investigate because it sounded as if the kids were running up and down the stairs. She called out to them to get back in bed, but got no response. When Jamie went back to the table where she had been working, there was a sudden bang in the next room as if the door had just been forcibly shut. When she ran back out, she saw no closed doors that could have made the banging sound. Jamie then went upstairs to check on her children and found them all fast asleep. <clears throat> Soon after these incidents, the sitter told Jamie that she heard Jackson crying through baby monitor, but when she went up to check on him, he was fast asleep. Jamie was disturbed enough that she decided she had to share these strange occurrences with Ben. That weekend, she told Ben about what the sitter had experienced. Faced with this reality, Ben could no longer put aside his disquiet and said Jamie that he had also had some, some similar experiences. Suddenly, they were interrupted by a noise. It sounded as though a ball bounced up and down. Ben went to check on the children and found them all asleep. Bemused, the husband and wife had very different reactions. While Ben tried to dismiss the noise like the sound of an old house settling, Jamie wasn't so confident. She stared seriously wondering whether, they, whether their house was haunted or not. 
Determined to investigate, Jimmy went to the local library to look up haunted houses in the area. Imagine her shock when the librarian helping her out told her that not only had she, the librarian, grown up in a haunted house, but that her haunted house childhood home was the same one Jamie and her family were now living in. The librarian told Jamie that a little boy had fallen out of a second floor window and died. The window belonged in the same room that Jamie's son Bridger now sleeps. Jamie got worried and asked the woman if she'd ever felt afraid while living in the house. The woman answered in the negative. She said she believed that the ghost of the little boy just wanted some attention. <clears throat> the activity in the house quieted down as the holidays came closer. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> One night, Jamie was sitting at her computer table taking care of some paperwork. The computer switched off and the monitor went dark. While working, she happened to glance up at the computer on the screen and what she saw behind her froze her blood. Mm. There was a dark shrouded figure standing right behind her she could see the shadowy figure reaching out this is all from the monitor more frantically or like more a black glass like where your monitor goes it's blank. basically a mirror yeah. yeah more frighteningly she could feel the mysterious figure standing there scared out of her wits jamie called ben at work almost incoherent incoherent with fear she told ben about what she had seen and felt ben tried to reassure her and promised her that he would be home as soon as possible Jamie no longer believed that the ghost of the little boy was haunting the house. Convinced wherever lived in the house was evil. Yeah. I mean, he starts to see stuff like that. There's, a, there's a creepy little demon will pop up yes. here. Yes, yeah. As reference. After this, the strange phenomena stopped for some time, but Jamie's apprehension didn't go away. She still felt the, pres she still felt the presence of evil in the house. Her suspicions were soon justified when Jamie had to pick up Tori after school one afternoon. The two were driving back home with Tori in the back seat and Jamie talking to her. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a barrel seemed to appear in the middle of the road. Jamie braked hard, but she'd been going too fast and her vehicle flipped. Jamie managed to crawl out of the vehicle. She was horrified to see Tori face down on the ground, pinned under the car. Oh no! Her injuries were substantial and she was rushed to the hospital immediately. When the couple arrived at the hospital, they received more bad news. The doctors thought that Tori's back was broken. She had compression fractures in quite a few of her vertebrae. The Shays were anguished and paralyzed with despair, wondering if their daughter would ever walk again. Jeez. Eventually, the hospital released Tori back to her parents. She was able to come home two weeks after the incident, just in time for Christmas. However, she was bedridden. It would take long months of recovery and physiotherapy, which is... Which is uh, physical therapy yep. uh, before she could regain the, re regain the use of her legs for several weeks afterward ben and jamie were too focused on tori's recovery to pay much attention to any to any unexplained activity however all that changed one night bridger came downstairs complaining that the people in his room weren't letting him sleep disturbed jamie left her son with his father and went upstairs to check on the baby fortunately the baby was sound asleep well like a baby uh, he hadn't been disturbed by noises that had frightened his brother. Unsettled, Jamie went back downstairs. She and Ben agreed that Bridger would sleep in their room that night. All went well until the couple found all went all went well until the couple and their son fell asleep. Suddenly, Jamie felt as though someone was tugging at her hair. Assuming it was her husband teasing her, she asked him to stop. However, when she turned around to look, Ben was too far away to have done anything. While the couple looked at each other in shock, the bed started to shake violently. They jumped out of bed and Jamie grabbed Bridger while Ben went upstairs to get the baby. They spent the night that night in the living room with Tori where she'd been sleeping since her incident. So it's starting to escalate. Yeah. Uh, after and during that night of terror, 
Ben and Jamie decided that they needed help to figure out what was going on in their home. They got in touch with the Central Arkansas Society for Paranormal Research, or CASPER. That's easier. Um, the researchers agreed to come and check out the house. Once Tori was recovered enough to be moved, they sent her to the sitter's home along with her siblings. That night, the investigators arrived. It was a husband and wife team who also brought along their daughters. Daughter, not daughters, daughter. Alan Gold concentrating on finding evidence to verify the hunt the haunting while his wife Angela and their daughter Violet were psychics another paranormal investigator Karen Schilling accompanied them so it's a team of four people right so it's a family and then the, the fourth one is, okay. a, is somebody they work with yeah. Karen had discovered that the house was more than 200 years old used a, as a way station or a stopping point in long journeys at one point in time the fact that so many people had lived in or passed through the house made it fertile ground for paranormal activity Angela and Violet decided to walk through the house to figure out if they could fill anything. In the meantime, Alan set up his equipment, consisting mainly of cameras in all the rooms. When the two women got to the second floor, they immediately had a bad feeling, and that feeling seemed to originate from Bridger's room. When the two psychics went into the room, Violet sensed that there was someone in the room besides them. At first, the presence seemed benign, perhaps frightened. She felt that it wanted to make contact with them, but was too afraid. Suddenly, the room filled with people, all loudly talking and giving general feeling that the two women shouldn't be there. And then, all the loud noises with the people talking disappeared as quickly as they had appeared. And the two women were fearful as the presence that came next in the room radiated pure evil and was devoid of any humanity. The women went back downstairs and told Jamie and Ben Shea about what they had found. Okay. Go ahead. <clears throat> so... It's something that's controlling everybody else. All the other spirits in the house. Something like that, right? That's what I'm getting out of that. Like there's some... You're on the right track. Okay. Yeah. Angela decided to try to communicate with different spirits. She pulled out a Ouija board. Ben wasn't too impressed and decided that he would handle the planchette off the board so that there would be no pushing or pulling. Angela started asking questions of the dark entity. At first, nothing happened. However, soon the planchette began to move. In response to the question... What is your name? The word S-E-T-H was spelled out. After a few more questions that got an indifferent response, Alan decided to ask the spirit when it had lived. The reply was chilling. Never, it answered. The answer shocked the investigators and the couple alike. They weren't dealing with an ordinary spirit here. If Seth had never lived nor died, chances were that he was a demonic entity. Ben removed his finger from the planchette and held on to his wife's hand. But when he did that, the planchette started moving all by itself. Alan asked the entity whether it, they had seen it. The answer was yes. Suddenly, the planchette moved across the board and pointed towards the monitor that was connected to the camera upstairs. Remember her monitor? Mm -hmm. Alan switched on the monitor. Oh, no, this is a different one. Alan switched on the monitor. Then the whole party watched in terror as a black shrouded figure moved from the hall into... Uh, Bridger's room. It seemed to be floating at one time and swaying at another. Its movements were genuinely inhuman. Most of all, there was such a palpable sense of evil and malice emanating from the thing that everyone assembled in the living room downstairs could feel it. Yeah. The investigators asked the Shea if they'd done anything, such as fortune-telling, conjuring, uh, attracting the entity. The couple replied no. Then they remembered what they found in the Bridger's room before moving in. All signs of an occult ceremony. Yeah. I, was, I mean, come on. Yeah. 
The investigators looked concerned. They said that whatever had been performed, the ritual left some sort of gateway open through which an entity such as Seth could get through, and this is what they feared had happened. Angela and Violet decided to perform a ritual cleansing to drive the evil spirit away. As though it had overheard their plans, the mood suddenly started taking the planchette and moving again. Then the light started flickering. The two psychics lit sage and started chanting a prayer, asking God to protect the house and to help get rid of any negative spirits there. They let the smoke infuse every part of each room, starting in Bridger's room. They felt as though Seth was pushing back against their chest, trying to get them to leave the house or trying to get them to leave the house alone. They persevered, however, and after a protracted battle, they were able to drive Seth away from the property. To ensure that he couldn't return, they drew a line of salt around the house. Since salt is considered a pure substance, it's believed that evil and negativity cannot cross it. Once done, they went back in. The atmosphere in the house had changed completely. There was a lightness in the air and the heavy feeling of oppression was gone. There was no sense of evil and menace that lived in the house alongside the family for so long. The entity was gone. But the human spirits who had been trapped there by it would stay. Exactly what you said. The friends and family of whatever. Of Seth. All the people are just going to be talking. Well, they, they were people who couldn't leave because Seth was there. Okay. Uh, but there was no sense of evil from them, said the investigator. So these were people who were just kind of trapped there. Yeah. <clears throat> the Shays thanked the investigators profusely and considered problems solved and their children would now be safe. The kids got back the next day and for the next several months, the family enjoyed living in their house with no evil presence or strange occurrences to mar their happiness. Tori, Tori had recovered completely from the horrific accident and was back to normal. The family considered her recovery a miracle considering how bad her injuries had been. But sadly, these worry-free and happy days were not to last. One weekend after the kids had gone to bed, Jamie sat in the living room working. She was talking to Ben when suddenly they heard an unearthly sound behind them. They turned to see Bridger standing there. Stunned at the noise he had admitted, Jamie asked him if he was feeling all right. Bridger made no reply. He just stood at the bottom of the stairs and stared at his parents. Concerned, they quickly moved to him and Jamie caught hold of his arms. All at once, it was though Bridger had woken up. He stared at himself and looked at his parents in t- terror, asking, how did I get down here? Ben and Jamie had been horrified. They, they believed that the entity called Seth was gone. There had been no paranormal activity, no unexplained noises, and no sense of oppression in the house. Now it felt as though all of it came rushing back. Jamie left Bridger with Ben and ran upstairs to get Tori and Jackson. She ran into Jackson's room and grabbed him from the crib. As she ran out of the room, she heard voices. There were two of them, and they kept getting louder and louder. Terrified, she came out into the hallway facing away from Bridger's room and found Tori standing in front of her, transfixed with terror. When she ran towards her daughter, she realized that Tori was staring at something behind her. Slowly, Jamie turned around. The sight that met her eyes was unbelievable and genuinely horrifying. There in the doorway of Bridger's room stood what looked like the same entity that they had driven out many months earlier. Jamie couldn't believe her eyes. It seemed as though Seth had all the... Sorry. It seemed as though Seth and all of the evil this Maleficent presence had at its disposal were back in the house. Jamie grabbed Tori and ran down the stairs. She was terrified and kept thinking they were going they weren't going to get through it this time. Again, uh, the fam- uh, I'm sorry, the family left the house right then and there and piled into their minivan. They knew that if they continued to live there, they would have to go through the terror all over again. The next day, the couple put their house on the market and uh, they moved yeah, into an so apartment swear, in an yeah. area. Soon after, Ben got his degree, and so the family made their home far away from whence they had been, 
of far away from what had once been their dream home. How the entity came back to the house or how the entity got in is something of a mystery. They speculated that the gateway that was opened by the people that had performed the occult rites before the Shays moving in was too powerful and could not be properly closed. The evil void would be open permanently. Therefore, even though Seth was gone, other demonic entities could continue to find their way into the house. The family gave up on their dream house, realizing that the unfortunate place was going to stay haunted, and so they decided to make a new and happy life for their family elsewhere. While a lot of skeptics may point out alternative explanations, there is no doubt whatsoever that something strange and unnatural was happening in that house. Credulity, I can't say this word, Credul credulity is not something that seems to be the case here because Ben, at least, was not a believer. However, what he and his wife and children personally witnessed, personally witnessed and underwent changed his mind. There can be a lot of reasons evil is present. Maybe it's been invited there, or perhaps it merely has existed on that place all along. One cannot speculate because they are limitless explanations. However, faith and good intent go a long way in removing this evil from our presence. Angela and Violet demonstrated that faith and useful purpose. They also showed strength and determination in the face of evil and were able to chase it out with the forces of their conviction and good intentions. This is perhaps the real lesson to be learned from this tale. Dude, I have so many things to say about this one. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Number one, you roll into your new, you're looking at houses. We moved to Texas. We looked at 23 houses. Right. In two days. Right. There wasn't a pentagram anywhere. No, and if there is, you should run. The, even if you're selling a house, rule number one. Get rid of it. Get rid of the pentagram drawings on the floor, right? I don't even care if it's going through a foreclosure. Something like that. Just move <clears> to sell. I'm not buying a house. The other thing, too, with is a if, I buy an, if I if there's a house I really like it and it has a pentagram, after I buy it, I'm bringing someone in to cleanse it. No, I'm not buying the house. <laughs> no, I'm just not buying it. Okay, what if it's perfect besides nope. that one room? Don't care if there's a pentagram etched in the floor, painted on the floor, salted on the... It does not matter. Just, no. Some bad stuff has happened no, in that house. That's, there's probably, like, chickens with their heads cut off. You're going to... Oh, 10 years from now, you're going to go under the floorboards and be like, why does it smell funny? It's because there's a body there, right? Like, something weird Shut happened. up, Lamontane. I'm just saying. So... <laughs> Um, and that was number my one. next note was burn it down. Literally, I wrote that down. Pentagram, what? Burn it down. So, Seth. Why does a demon choose the word, the name Seth? Maybe it was still trying to not come across as a demon. It's trying to come across as a dude. A person. Like a total frat guy. That's what I was thinking. This is what came to mind. Blonde demon with a mullet. Oh, Lord. Well, it, the 80s are back. back. So, yeah. Right. So um, it, it probably, probably was trying to get. Glasses. It was probably trying to get them to not think of it as a demon so that they would not. Seth? Abolish I mean, it. I mean, it's not like one of the crazy. I mean, it names. is kind of a different name, right? But. It's um, not like Gormagon or something right. like that, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then the witches. So, it you made me think about because it's a 200 year old house, right? Right. Um, there was a house in New Hampshire on this, like, back road that I grew up in. New Ham I grew up in New Hampton, New Hampshire, a little tiny town. And there was like this little house, little two-story, kind of like, this is where I go back to. And we always called it the witch's house. And there was some lady that lived there. We never saw her. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. She wasn't the witch, more than likely. Or maybe she was. I don't know. Um, but nobody ever saw her. But it was this old house. And that's the house that came to to okay. mind on this. I'll see if I can find a picture of it. I probably can't, but okay. it's probably since been burnt, uh, not burned out, but taken out. Taken, rebuilt, or... Yeah, and then, lastly, 
don't bring a Ouija board into your house. So Stop the Ouija board the wasn't Ouija the cause boards. of the problem, though. That I could see if there wasn't a problem there. You probably don't want to open up that gateway. Yeah, anything, but there was already something there. So they were just trying to figure out how to communicate with it. Yeah, no, don't do it. <clears throat> I do very much like that finally when it came back the second time they were like and we're out absolutely bye bye i know great story thank, thank you. you so much before we guys head out go out check us out on minor league studios looking at the castro files page you can find tumblers and drink cups and shirts, er, and, shirts baseball and baseball caps, caps and, and all sorts of stuff like that cool stuff we'll have the Phone link covers yep. and you yeah, got, there's you all name sorts it. of aliens and cool stuff out there so go check that out if you don't mind we'll put the link in the kind of down in the comments for you but thank you so much yes guys thank you for joining us appreciate your good story that's an awesome one have a great night we'll see you next time have a great week cheers